Well, if you can't check your Facebook, your Instagram, your MySpace, your your Tumblr, whatever it is, if you can't check it, come and spend the next hour or so with us. You never know. This is Guardians of the Future. I'm Justin Latta. I'm joined by Willie Head, and uh, I say an hour, but do I really mean an hour? I don't know what's going to happen. I don't. We don't. We don't have a script this week. We're going off script, so maybe it'll end up being our shortest episode. But knowing Willie and I, it'll be the longest one but how are you coping with the uh the end of the regular season willie of major league baseball and minor league baseball well before i get to that justin i switched to decaf for this episode tonight and i promised my wife i'd try to be done within an hour so that means we'll probably be done in two or three um we may have to break it up into multiple podcasts (laughs) uh oh man i'm in mourning i woke up this morning and i realized there's not a game today what the crap? Every team should make the playoffs. This isn't well, this isn't right. As you know, as I told <laughs> you and Jared this morning, like they should wean us off. And Jared said that that is the playoffs. No, 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 no. I came to an abrupt stop today. <laughs> like my world is in chaos. What do I do? I mean, I've DVR'd all the games this year. I can go back and watch them. And I have in my LB. <laughs> there's too many letters in there. I have the minor league baseball TV. <laughs> well typically there are no games on monday so this would be a normal night for us to get a break from minor league games but there's no cleveland indians games there's no and and you know what baseball robbed us yesterday of you said your world's in chaos today should have been chaos day today we should have had blue jays red sox and mariners yankees playoff games for the last two wildcard spots and we should have had a, a Dodgers and Giants one game playoff for the NL West. And instead you get Yankees Red Sox tomorrow as the wildcard game and no extra games. And that's really good. Cause you know what the Yankees and Red Sox, they don't play each other often yeah, enough. Who cares? Uh, those games aren't tele. Those guys aren't televised. Never enough on and, uh, and I just don't think people No, They just don't get enough attention. You know, it's, it's good. Those two teams are, are going to have a national broadcast game tomorrow because they don't. I wonder if it'll be at one o'clock or is that a primetime game? <laughs> how how mad? I, I just saw the schedule for the postseason. How mad? I mean, I guess they're not mad, but um, the Rays are going to obviously play the winner of that wild card game in the first round. And I'm like, the only way the only reason the Rays are playing a primetime game in the postseason is because they're playing the Red Sox and the Yankees. Otherwise, the network would have been like, yeah, the Rays can play at 11 a.m. Eastern, and that'll be it. Like that's where they would be shoved if they weren't playing the Red Sox and the Yankees. Do you remember last year? Even though the best. Do you remember last ball. year when they had the cardboard cutouts for fans, and they also had the um, animation where it looked like there was actual people in the stands? I wonder if they'll do that for the game. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Random thought. Oh. That was terrible. See, this is what I get without baseball to watch. That, that... too much <laughs> on your mind. I know. I know. Yeah, social media is all down, and there's no baseball to watch. We're just empty shells of ourselves. The end is nine, right now. Yes, this is the this is the end. This is where's the bell? I've got my sign. I need uh, to ring a bell. <laughs> I want to get off this ride. Um, yeah, we, like I said, we didn't really have a script for this week. I mean, generally we have some kind of script because there are things happening throughout the minor league season that we want to talk talk about and. You know, we do go off script to time to time, but um, I didn't really have one this week. I just wanted a podcast with you, Willie, because uh, 
it is the end of a minor league season. It's we didn't get one last year, so I know we are both excited to have minor league baseball back and you know, a lot of interesting things happened. I mean what we saw the breakout of George Valera finally, you know, that was much anticipated. Um John Kenzie Noel. Brian Rocchio, too. I mean, seeing a 20-year-old in AA and actually improving once he, get, once he got to AA, too, I think. Um, just impressive between those two. And there's a lot to be excited about uh, before we hopped on and started recording. I mentioned, you know, there's, there's a lot of talent coming, and I believe that there'll be a bridge to that talent. Um, with the, to me, there's a lot to be excited about for this organization. I don't get like, it feels like some people feel like the sky is falling. The sky is falling. Hey, I love the Indians name. I grew up with it, identifying with a chief. Ultimately, I identify with a team that says Cleveland across the front of it. That's what matters at the end of the day. Um, You know, the organization is going to be shifting. There's going to be a lot of change coming. And I think it's a good thing. Um, Let's get the attention on the diamond instead of other things that are going on. Um, There's a lot of talent in the minor league system. And I know people don't believe this, but with the financial flexibility that they should have, and hopefully with a new owner coming or a new co-owner coming, minority owner, um, maybe there'll be an influx of cash. There should be a TV deal in the next few years. possibly a salary floor, which would be intriguing, meaning that they may be forced to spend whether they want to or not. That's a whole nother dynamic that I don't think people are even thinking about. And I'll add to it that um, the profit sharing had been cut for the last two seasons, and we should see profit sharing come back next year as well, which means payrolls should go up. Um, We are still in the midst of a pandemic and Economically, everybody's been affected, even these sports teams, whether they want to admit it or not. I'm sure they're losing millions, but they're still making millions, too. Um, But I think it's an exciting time to be a a Cleveland Indians, Guardians fan, whatever you want to call them. uh, As long as you call them Cleveland, that's what matters to me. And I'm excited for the future in Cleveland. Yeah, that's a great point. Not to to get too deep into the name change, but... um... The one thing you brought up is something that resonated to me. It, you know, it took me a few years to kind of see the other side of this. Um, you know, whether that's the name or the, or the logo. Um, I, you know, obviously I grew up with that too. My favorite team growing up was this team and, and all my favorite players. You know, I don't, I don't know if I'd be the baseball fan I am today without growing up in the 90s and it being – Jim Tomey and all those guys from the nineties. I mean, geez, my dad, my dad grew up with baseball in Cleveland in the sixties and seventies or really the seventies and the eighties. And they were terrible. It's amazing. He's still a fan after all that. Right. Cause I mean, they were, except for like a couple of years here and there where they weren't totally awful. They were terrible. And he's still a fan, even though he's a little more curmudgeon these days about it. Um, you know, he still likes to watch every game and get mad about it or get excited. And, um, but I, I remember in 2016, and I, I, I didn't really have a strong opinion either way on this at that time, but I remember when the team went to Toronto for the ALCS, I remember there was that yeah. whole lawsuit um, about the Chief, and 
I started thinking, I said, man, the second that your, your logo or your name is so distracting that it's taking away from what's going on on the field. And that was an exciting team. They were doing exciting things. They, they were going to Toronto with a good shot to go to the world series. And they did. And I'm just like, man, can't we ever, everybody kept asking me about that. I'm like, who cares? Let's just talk about the team. Let's talk about what they're going to do. And this is an exciting team. Why are we wasting valuable time? When we could be enjoying this team on this stupid thing. And that's why I said, you know what, if it has to go, it has to go because I care way more about the product on the field and getting to enjoy that than having to waste pointless energy on this debate. Um, and like you said, next year they're playing in Cleveland. And Tom Hamilton, I don't know if you had a chance to hear this, but Tom Hamilton had a great sign-off yesterday. You know, he was talking about people who were upset about, about the name change. And he said, you know, um, your memories aren't going to change. You know, you, you went to those games, you watched them. You're going to remember them. You're going to tell those stories. Nothing changes. It's not like they're going to go back and rewrite history. Um, but what you get to do is you get a chance to make new memories. You get a chance to take your kids to the ballpark and get them a hot dog and go watch the next wave of in, uh, of the team coming. We'll send Indians high force of habit. Um, you know, this team, I mean, I'm not saying they did, but, you know, Nashville or, or Montreal is a good example. Look at Montreal. They lost their team. They don't get to make new memories. All of their memories uh, with baseball. And look how many good players the Expos had over the years, right? No more memories are coming for, for them. They're not a, they don't have a chance to hit their kids to the ball. Where's Martinez? Well, I guess they don't know how to take Moises Alou. Um, Marquise Wilson. Larry Walker. I mean, yeah, Randy, Randy Johnson. Johnson. But, right, all, all of those memories, you know, are, are locked. They're... You, they don't have a chance to make new ones. I guess Tampa Bay is going to play a few games there maybe, but, you know, they don't get a chance to make new memories. All they have is the, is the past. And in Cleveland, we have the future. We have a new a new lease coming up. You're going to have a new TV deal. Um, and the name on the front has always been the same. And I, I feel like I've always – I think most people who are from Cleveland are all, you know – Cleveland's one of those cities where you can make fun of it. If you're a Clevelander, you can make fun of living in Cleveland or the city. But if you're not from here, you're not going to tolerate anybody else to make oh, fun I of do. it. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and I feel like people identify with that a lot. And regardless of what the name on the jersey says or the logo, they're still a team from Cleveland and they represent Cleveland. And that's what Tom Hamilton basically said yesterday is you get a chance to make new memories uh, Cleveland baseball is still Cleveland baseball, whether, you know, whatever logo is on the hat. So be excited next year. And you're right. The future of this franchise is about as good as it's been, I guess, since 2013. I mean, I feel like this wasn't as bad as 2012, obviously, you know, they were young, they had some hiccups, but, um, they may not be ready for a playoff spot next year, maybe, but they're, they're darn close to you know, putting this next core together and being excited. So I'm excited about what's going to happen next year, but there's so much to talk about between now and then. Really. Yeah. And I, I think we'll have a lot to talk about this off season. I don't see how they are not active. We've talked about the roster jam, so to speak ad nauseum. And, um, you know, frankly, I, I just think that they'll clear some spots They'll probably make some moves that frustrate us, all of us, and 
keep a guy or two that some people question, why are they keeping this guy? Why, why Sam Hentges in the bullpen or, or why did Anthony ghost stay and they traded away JC Mejia or whatever it is, you know, they'll do some things that we scratch our heads, maybe collectively, but honestly, I'm very excited about this off season. I, I love the, the prospects that they have. I love the fact that they are performing at an extremely high level at a high level. Um, when you're seeing guys that are three, four years younger than league average, uh, that's a really good indicator for future success. And it's not just one or two guys. It's a lot of guys up and down the system that are performing like that, that really were pushing it. And it's almost as if the organization has flipped the switch and said, Hey, we need to push these guys through the minors and get them up here instead of letting them stagnate in the minors sometimes. Or so it felt in recent years, um, you know, who knows what the off season is going to hold. I think there's going to be some action. I think there'll be some minor trades. Maybe they'll flip a guy like Richie Palacios, uh, for a reliever and, and package a few guys together and get a, a reliever or two, because I think they need to fortify the bullpen. You don't want to just run out there, Emmanuel Classe and bet on James Krinchak to rebound, uh, or you're going to end up wearing out guys. But I think that they found a few guys, a few interesting guys through the course of this season, like Cal Quantrill and Trevor Steffen, you know, he looks like he could be a good middle reliever next year. Um, seeing Tristan McKenzie come out and blossom and seeing what he could do at times this year. Um, of course, there were other guys who struggled, but I was impressed with seeing Eli Morgan come out and being able to look, to look like he could potentially be a fifth starter in a rotation. I know some people have mentioned trading off Zach Plesak. Well, they have the pitching depth to make some move with some guys. They also have a, a crap load of middle infielders that they'll be able to pick and choose who they want to keep and who they can package in a deal and improve the overall roster. And I think they're in a really good spot to do so. As I said, there's a lot of factors influencing my belief that this team is going to want to draw fans next year when you rebrand like that particularly in this instance where you've had fans who are very attached to the indians name and, and as i said i was and like you i changed over the years i i wasn't a proponent of changing the name at all but in recent years i have been and you know i, I don't know if i've ever shared the a personal story on here but my wife is lumbee indian and um they're recognized in the state of North Carolina, not really so outside of the state of North Carolina. Um, but I, I was talking to my uncle or my wife's, my wife's uncle rather. And um, he said something to me one day that he didn't care about the logo. He didn't care about the character of Chief Wahoo at all. He cared about the things that were going on, but it occurred to me, the things that are going on in the community are impacted externally too, you know, and I don't want to get into all of that, but it, it was a very personal thing um, because it, it, it directly affects my family, uh, some family members. And well, he wasn't a proponent of changing the name. He actually liked the idea of keeping it. When you look at some of the things that have gone on in our society and the realization that people have had in recent years, kind of a wake up call, if you will, that uh, there's been a lot going on in our society, not just in recent years, but in years past that I don't know if you can atone for things, but you can say, hey, now's the time to make some things right. 
And I think that's kind of what they were doing with the name changes. Let's do the right thing and let's move away from controversy and let's move toward what we feel is doing the right thing. And yes, it's going to offend fans. And because they know that it's a, a tightrope, so to speak, they're going to want to draw fans. That's part of the reason I think that they're going to be active and look to improve this team next year. And then knowing that there is a core of talent, so to speak, on the horizon with guys like Gabriel Arias and Brian Rocchio and uh, George Valera and Daniel Espino, Gavin Williams, Logan T. Allen, uh, Cody Morris, Brian Lavastida, maybe Bo Naylor, who knows, you know, there's a, there's a lot of talent up and down this system. Some of these guys will be legit. Some of them, uh, some of them are prospects and some of them are suspects. I'll put it to you that way. Cause they're not all going to, we know that, <laughs> but you collect talent to acquire talent. And I think that's what this organization has done. And I think that's what this organization has an opportunity to do um, because they have a realization that as you pointed out that Chris Antonetti mentioned on Jason Stark's podcast, that they need to make memories and they need to create goodwill with fans. And I think that's where a lot of this is coming from is the sincere realization that yes, the name needed to change and we need to, we need to get the attention of our fans back because there has been some, I guess you could call it herd, offense, or whatever it is, uh, with those fans that felt really attached. Now is the time um, to make new memories um, and to kind of do the right thing by fans by, hey, let's let's get an exciting team on the field. Let's have something to be interested in. And I call me naive or whatever, but I'm a firm believer that they're going to do that this offseason. Yeah, I mean, coupled with that, you're right. The what he said on that podcast, I think, makes a ton of sense. And they do. He he did keep saying that he anticipates that payroll will go up next year. And I like like I've said on past podcasts, I can completely understand why people may not choose to believe that. And and yeah, absolutely, you should say, well, let's wait until they prove it. Sure, but the one thing I think I can take from that is if they're gonna, you're right. Like they they know that they have to get this this new brand off on a good foot. So I don't think it would be in the best interest of business and and from all angles, not for, you know, for the, we have no idea if the Dolans are going to sell anytime soon. We know that there's possibly a minority owner coming in. It's been pretty quiet on that front for a few months now after Zach broke that story. We haven't really heard much since the, since back then. Um, but if they want revenues to improve, I don't think it's good for business to go into next season without a better roster than they already had, a higher payroll, without Jose Ramirez, without, um, you know, it just improves the value of the franchise. So if the Dolans ever do want to sell, you know, things are on the upswing versus, you know, like you said, where we were off the air before, you know, they've kind of bottomed out as far as payroll and, this is as bad as they've been in, in nine years. And, and they weren't even really that bad. I mean, they lost 82 games and um, they didn't have their best pitcher for three months, the best starter for three months on a team that was devoid of offense at times. But uh, yeah, I look at that, like you said, I think that, and I've said this before, I don't think that you can say payroll's going to go up next year and move Jose Ramirez. There's just not a lot of logic behind that. So I think, you feel pretty good about the fact that Jose Ramirez is coming back next year and he had, a, had one of his best seasons ever again this year. He's going to be – he's not going to come near MVP because, you know, Shoei Otani was ridiculous and 
Flagler Jr. and Marcus Semien were just really good, but Jose had one of his best seasons, and um, he's the leader of this team. He's the most identifiable, uh, identifiable player on the team besides Shane Bieber, and yeah, I, I think that you're going to have him back next year. I think it's imperative that they begin extension talks with him now that the season's over. Because that's the, I don't know, that's the one thing you can control, right? You can't control what other teams can will do with you trading-wise. You can't control about free agents. You can't control who you, know, who you want to trade with or what you want to trade. But the one thing you control is how much money you're willing to offer Jose Ramirez to spend the next four or five years in Cleveland at versus the next two, right? So if that's the most controllable thing you can do to start the new era of Cleveland baseball on a good foot, buy some goodwill and, and move that payroll up. That is the easiest place to do it. And I think that's where they can make the most buzz. But because look, they can, they can make that offer today. The season's over. They don't have to wait, right? Like they can do it now before the CBA, what, you know, what if the CBA expires and there's chaos and they can't make trades, they can't sign free agents, which they know that we're probably not going to do anyway, but at least you have some news, some positive news to give your fans. Hey, we're even though we don't know what's going to happen this off season, we're going to have Jose Ramirez here for the next five years, and I think that gives you a little bit of time and a little bit of buzz to build off of before you start to get the next ducks in a row. I, th- I think they want name recognition too, so I don't think they're going to be completely inactive in free agency, but I think they'll look for short short term deals for guys. Um, that can help fill needs, maybe a, a catcher or something like that, or maybe they'll go the trade route there. Or um, you could argue that they could look for an upgrade at first base because Bobby Bradley is Bobby Bradley and um, Yu Chang is Yu Chang, and they're not complete players, so to speak. They have their flaws. Put the two of them together in a platoon, maybe. Um, is it worth the roster space on the two of them? I don't know. I'll let them make those conclusions. I have my own Um Frankly, I, I do think that they'll look for guys kind of maybe an Eddie Rosario type of deal or a uh, Cesar Hernandez type of deal where they want to bring in a guy on a one or two year deal to kind of bridge the gap, as I mentioned earlier, because there's this wave of young middle infield talent coming for sure. And there's a lot of decisions to be made. Is Andreas Jimenez part of the future in the middle? Is it? Arias, is it Brian Rocchio? Is it Tyler Freeman? Uh, Jose Tena, Angel Martinez, you know, uh, guys that will be pressing through the minors that look like they're going to be legit prospects to be major league players one day. Jose Fermin, Richie Palacios, you know, guys that look like they could be big league contributors in some way. We already have Ernie Clement too, and Owen Miller. What do you do with all of these guys? To me, you have to you have to assemble some of these pieces and improve your team for through making an, an aggressive trade. Um, I know Jeff Ellis floated Cedric Mullins out there, and I joked around about it whenever he torched the Indians earlier this season that, hey, it was a perfect trade target. Um, <laughs> I've been solely focused on uh, Brian Reynolds for so long that I, I don't even know the fact that they'll even move him. It doesn't sound like anybody even moved the needle for them when they tried to um, make the call during the, during the uh, trade deadline this year, you know, so who knows what happens. I, I suspect Cleveland will make a couple of 
trades and I, and I think they'll look to improve the team in a variety of ways. And I think to do so, you're going to have to add some veteran talent, but consider that this team won 80 games without 35 starts between Shane Bieber and Zach Plesak and Aaron Savali. That's amazing. You know, that's, that's a huge difference. I think that those pitchers make, and, and I could have that number wrong. I, I thought I read somebody posted 35 earlier, but my point being that there was a lot of pitching talent missing from this organization this year. And James Krinchak looked like a reliever who, um, as does as relievers do apparently, because they're so volatile from year to year. You just never know what you're going to get. That's part of the reason I think that they'll look to add another arm. Please go get David Bednar from the pirates, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's one of those guys, David Bednar, Tanner Scott. I don't know. There's other guys out there. Uh, I think we talked about for that particular trade. I'd, I'd have to look at the rosters elsewhere, but yeah, there's there's definitely teams you can go out there and make trades with. Like I, I don't see Pittsburgh hanging on to a David Bednar because why not cash you know, in now? Why why would they? Yeah, cash in now. And and Cleveland has the prospects to trade. The Pirates. I mean, whenever you have a chance to trade a reliever for anything at a, at a younger age, I think it's a, if you're not a winning team, if you're a good team, obviously you don't want to do that. Like Cleveland wouldn't trade Emmanuel Classe because. Um, he's really good and really young, and they have a chance to win next year. The Pirates next year are are hoping they're going to be like a what a five hundred team, and he's twenty seven, and he has I don't know how much more years of control he has left, but yeah, relievers at twenty seven have a short shelf life. If you can get value for him by the time the Pirates are good again, David Bednar is going to be I don't know thirty twenty or not thirty maybe twenty eight, so. Who knows how much time he has left on that arm? If the, out of the Pirates, I want to get the best return on that because it's not a guy that you know. By the time that you know your best prospects are coming up, not a guy that's going to be helping you at that point. He's not going to be a big part of your roster. So, um, improve your odds at that point. You know, get some get a player back that lines up with that timeline, and bring it all together. That's just one example, but there there are other examples out there like that. I agree. And and this is why I think they're going to have a. I'm not saying I have a big off season. Like, look, we both know they're not going to go out and they're not going to sign. I, I don't even really know who the big free agents are. Uh, Marcus Semien. They're Trevor not going to sign Marcus Semien. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, those guys aren't coming to Cleveland, and they may not even make a big trade. I think what people, I people, and you, you mentioned this, but the uh, people who are a bit negative about about the off season. Whether or not they make any moves, and yeah, it would be it would be disappointed if disappointing if they go into this offseason and nothing really happens. But because of their roster situation, they're going to be involved in a lot of rumors. They're going to be they're going to have a lot of internal moves to make. Whether that's you know like the forty man roster or what else they want to do there, there's not going to be a lack of news. They may not make a ton of moves. Like you may not see them make a big bunch of big trades. And obviously we said they're not going to make giant free agent signings, but they're going to be involved in a lot of news in terms of the roster. And there's a lot of decisions to make off of that. And I think that's what I'm saying is it's a big off season. A lot's going to happen because a lot of that is going to affect how they approach the off season. So 
that's what I mean when I say it's a big off season. And I think it's going to be interesting because. Well, I think, I think gonna we're going to see some things so. that we weren't expecting. Go back to the trade deadline, raise your hand. If you expected them to trade Phil Maton and uh, Diaz for Miles Straw, put your hand down, Jared, you liar. <laughs> my my point being though is they're going to be active looking for opportunities and I believe they probably have already called around um you know I threw some names out there the other day Tampa seems to be loaded and seems to trade off guys every year and I know you're scared to trade with Tampa but I wouldn't mind trying to get Austin Meadows um young outfielder with some control that would be a good line or a good addition to this team it doesn't have to be a huge name even I threw out the name Ian Happ, and that's not going to make a lot of people happy, but he has a lot of positional flexibility, and he's a quality player as far as offensive production with the ability to play right field, center field, left field, second base, third base. You know, That's a, a valuable commodity to me. And with the Cubs in rebuild, retool, whatever they want to call that in Chicago right now, I, I don't know. Um he can be just a valuable commodity to the team. He doesn't even have to be an every single day player, but that's somebody I would want because he's not going to make a lot of money. Um, but somebody that you can target a, a guy like Chris Taylor, who had an awesome year for the Dodgers this year is going to be entering free agency. Maybe you can get him on a couple of year deal. He's a utility type of guy. He can play left field, shortstop, second base, and a variety of positions. Another guy that has positional flexibility, which I think is going to be huge for the team. Um, maybe he gets a huge deal because he had a good year. I don't know, but it's somebody I would definitely kick around and and call on. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I think they're going to be in the market for a catcher, whether that be an everyday guy or or a backup behind Austin Hedges. I don't know. You know, I thought Hedges did really well, even though he can't hit the ball off of a tee. And if he does, he hits the tee for a home run too. So, um, is there still time to trade a Med Rosario for Jonah Heim? That's all because you and I both wanted that to happen when when uh, they first acquired a Med Rosario, and there was all that smoke about the, about Cleveland trading Med Rosario if they got him. And you and I both were like, "Well, they need a Triple A catcher that's could potentially be a backup to Hedges or Perez, or could be a, a stopgap." And I'm like, "Jonah Heim," and you said Jonah Heim, and what did he do? He hit that giant home run against the in Texas. Yeah, boy. I mean, he's not hitting 200 this year. He didn't hit 200, <laughs> I guess, this year. Um, yeah. Since the season, I'm going to start. So that would have been a bad deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to bring that up again. Thanks, Justin. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bring up our predictions later oh, too, so we can look geez. how bad we were. At I that deleted too. mine. <laughs> I got him. The internet, unless well, Facebook, our, our site is up. Facebook may be down, but our our site is up. I'm looking at your predictions now. I'm looking at mine. Mine were pretty bad. I uh, I picked the Twins to go to the World Series, so I I had the worst predictions of anybody this year. I, I had the Twins. I don't know what. I, I was up. I think I remember talking to you about this on, on the on the first podcast of the year. I was like, I was up to like two a.m. deliberating who I was going to pick for the AL Central from the White Sox and the Twins. Yeah, I was up to I, I overthought it, so worked out good. So you don't have to worry about painful memories we brought up. I I picked the Twins to went go to the World Series. I went, and I went the safe route. I think I think I took probably the, the worst race or somebody the Rays and the Dodgers in a repeat. 
You sure did. Dodgers over Rays this year again. I have Dodgers over Twins. At least I down the Twins win the World Series. How about how about Spencer had um, Padres over Athletics? They did not. Neither of those teams had a postseason. So that's good. Good job, Spencer. <laughs> it's okay. Mine was worse. We all took Mike Trout as MVP, except for Pat and Tyler. Who took I was going to take Matt Ramirez. Chapman. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that. that was a good dark horse pick. Yeah. Oh, we, a bunch of us took Ronald Acuna for MVP. This season ended too soon, and that ruined my fantasy. Is, season is this like the Madden curse or what? I mean, uh, it's starting to feel that way. <laughs> I know. Oh, so bad, so bad. But yeah, I forget where you were at. Jeez, uh, I said my. You and I both said the X factor to the team this year was going to be Eddie Rosario. I guess in a way he was because. If Eddie Rosario was normal Eddie Rosario, this team would have been in much better shape, and he wasn't. So he got traded. And they yeah, good, if so. he'd produced Maybe. what he has in the past, <laughs> that would have made a dramatic difference. I mean, they may have not have gotten no hit four times. <laughs> three, three, three and two-thirds. Well, yeah, I, I guess you can't. Is, is the right number. An asterisk. <laughs> we'll put an astro next to the to the seven inning yes. game. How's that? <laughs> three three point seven times. Oh man! Hey, your your breakout picture picture was Logan Allen. Which one? You didn't specify <laughs> which Logan Allen. So I don't think you're wrong. One of the Logan you Allen's broke out. Me and I, probably I would say both. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that would have been interesting. Could you imagine a, a, a world where in 2023, and, and maybe it'll still happen. I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen with him? I, I really didn't. There was really, what, maybe two starts this year for Logan S. Allen where it seemed like maybe he had figured things out and then he just didn't. Um, but could you imagine a world where both Logan Allens were in the starting rotation for this team? Like, geez. I think I think it's pretty safe to say they won't. I think be there's now, a Logan but, Allen in the uh, Rays organization and one in the Athletics organization as well. So I'd like to try to acquire one or two of those this off season. Just off season personal goals of mine. <laughs> Add all the Logan Allens. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Uh, that the former reliever Jose Ramirez oh, is yeah, out there. That's right. They should go sign him. He was good at one time. You know what they could Why do? Not? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know the show sign him get, and then turn around and trade yeah. him. And then, <laughs> oh jeez, <laughs> just get everybody riled up, man! You were you were just trying to <laughs> gaslight everybody right now. Oh man, they should they absolutely should. That would be trade him for cash. Uh, oh my gosh. Oh, Cleveland trades Jose Ramirez for cash. How typical! I saw some comments today that was like. Um, Oh, you know what? It was Hayden Grove's tweet about the rotation next year of being Bieber and Savali and Plesak and McKenzie and Quantrill. That's a good rotation for next year. And someone said, replied to him, well, the Dolans need cash, so you can bet that one or two of them are going to be traded for cash this winter. And I'm like, that's not even realistic. So like, maybe J.C. Mejia, um, Sam Hench just get traded for cash this winter. That's about a, a waiver move. Not about getting money because really they're probably getting twenty five bucks if that. I still like the idea of 
not not all of it, but at least one of these moves. Because look, there there are guys you can't you cannot make a team out of fringe guys. Like, okay, Ernie Clements, a utility guy, probably Yu Chang and Owen Miller. They're kind of they're fringe guys. They're not starters, but they're they're nice bench players. Um, Richie Palacios. I don't really know if he's a starter, but he's interesting, and um, he might be another fringe guy who who's. You know, good enough to be on a bench, but not good enough to start. But it's hard to break somebody in that way. Like I, I still like the idea that you brought up, that Jeff brought up, that you know, package Palacios or somebody else, and getting a con- an extra yeah, compensation. That was, that was a great idea. I think that's one way to. I, I didn't think of yeah. that. That's a great I, I way to maximize the, the uh, roster. Mark Mathias deal where they traded him to the Brewers for. Andreas Melendez, which I thought was a really good move because Melendez is a very talented, young, defensive-oriented catcher. Um, yeah, he finished strong. Yeah, he had a good I year. think his last two months were really good, very impressive. And in, he's 19 years old, coming off of a season that he didn't get to play last year. So, you know, kind of lower expectations. And, mm-hmm. hey, look how the guys finished the season. And that's very encouraging to me to see guys make adjustments and to finish a season strong, especially under these circumstances, you know, it's just a, a wild, wild world right now. It feels like so very encouraged by him and a lot of different guys, but go that route with a, a number of guys or a, a couple of guys. And, you know, you may end up, there's a lot of other teams going to be in roster jams too. They didn't get to see their prospects like they would like to. So some teams facing similar situations. Then you have teams that have traded for, a ton of prospects and now they're going to have to start rostering some of these guys like the Orioles who have traded away talent, the pirates that have traded away talent, you know, and they have to start making some tough decisions. So the teams that would typically be buyers, so to speak in the rule five, if it even exists this off season, um, I don't know if that is going to be part of the next CBA who knows at this point, you know, um, we don't know what we're going to see when the World Series concludes. There may be a lockout, and they may seize all baseball operations until they get a CBA in place. Who knows? Like, that's, I think you made a, a great point. That's why Cleveland should be on the phone with Jose Ramirez's agent right now. And, hey, let's get something done. We want to keep you here long term. And, uh, you know, I, I can work it out for them if they want me to. Just give me their, pay, their, their uh, checkbook, and I'll <laughs> take care of it from there. We got a lot less going on with the season being over. Yeah, it could definitely uh, help the negotiations out. Just hand them a blank check and tell them to sign it and call it a day and keep Jose Ramirez your third baseman and figure out whatever you're going to do with Nolan Jones next year somehow. Because uh, I talked to James Harris the other day uh, just to try to you know get some thoughts on how some guys did this year, what their plans for the offseason are. And I think he mentioned that Jones next year – it would kind of be like a 75 25 split of him at third base. Like I think this year was like a, I don't know, an 80 20 or 90 10. And next year he'll move towards a 75 25 to me. That's not a whole lot. So I don't want to, you know, harp on the Nolan Jones thing again, because we did it a couple podcasts in a row, but I don't know, just one of those weird things. And, and that answer was strange. Like he is going to have to recover from surgery and come back later in the year and then get acclimated to playing again and then move to the outfield. And I don't know, just super weird. So one of those, one of those things that they're, they're going to, they're going to take up a lot of bandwidth in the off season to think about, um, you know, what they're going to do. And 
he didn't have the greatest year. I think he got better as the year moved on. Like you talked about, good to see some of these guys get better as the year went on. Um, kind of in that vein, like who who were you most impressed with this year, and who who are you kind of concerned about? Are there any any names off the top of your head that you are super excited about that you think that um, maybe took a step forward um, or um, just kind of proved that you thought sure. of them or maybe um, the opposite? Brian Rocchio was somebody that really stepped forward for me. Not getting to see him last year was a big concern. Not that I was down. I He was still top 10 for me, and I, I think I may have had him as low as six or seven at one point in time just out of sheer concern with what kind of level of competition is he facing. Um when he couldn't travel to the U S last year, um, you know, that, that was part of my thought process there, but definitely impressed by him. George Valera, very impressive. Good to see him healthy and raking, um, on the disappointing side. I, I hate that. Like things happen to guys and injuries happen. They go into slumps and it's been a, a chaotic two years for a lot of people for, personal reasons and various reasons, you know, so I, I really hate throwing that label on guys, but, um, you know, Aaron Bracho is one that a lot of people have had high hopes for, and I don't think he hit 200 this year and seemed to be scuffling. Um, talent is still there, you know, to me, injuries have kind of robbed him a little bit over the years, it seems like, and then just coming in and scuffling this year off of not getting to play last year, a lot of pressure there to perform because he's a guy that they've, threw a lot of money at to, to sign and bring into the organization and not really impressing. A lot of people have been down on Bo Naylor. I'm, I'm not so as much as others. I think he's really honed in on his defense uh, and worked on that a lot. Um, and the reverse, the flip side of that is a lot of people have talked up Brian Lavastida and that's somebody I pointed out to you um, when we drafted him and said, Hey, I think this guy's going to end up being a backup catcher. Um, Cody Morris is another guy injuries, you know, he's had the shoulder soreness and it seems like it's come up a couple of times. Didn't get to pitch the first part of the year and then was just flat dominant when he, when he did another guy that was very encouraging. I, I can't wait to see this draft class that they brought in because they brought in a ton of arm talent. Some of these guys I think could move really fast. I think they're going to place Williams and Nikhazy and Mace maybe even left which right in Lake County right away. I would, if I were them, just go ahead and, and bump them up there just like they did with uh, Burns, Allen, and Hickman this this year. Uh, see what these guys do. Level. I think I think Williams should yeah. only get five starts at Lake County. I think you he's 22 already, and he's good enough. I think five starts at Lake County for Williams next year and bump him to Akron pretty quick. I'm already excited to see Doug McKay's. You know, I'm ready for that. I'm that will be a huge shot of like Red Bull just watching him pitch. I'm I'm ready for that. Like that would it's been a long year. I'm I'm definitely exhausted from this year, just the coverage and uh doing something every night as far as like watching video or, or writing or being at a game. But man, you put Doug McKay on a mound, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm I'm fired up. So I love that you said Justin that. has to learn to take a break. He's burning himself out. You can't burn the candle on both ends, Justin. Come on, man. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, the good news is I'm I'm starting a new full time job here in a, in a couple of weeks, so a different one. So I'll be working from home all the time, and um, don't worry about getting up and traveling. So I'll have more time at home, which is good. I'm I'm interested to see what happens with Cody Morris. Like he's he's for sure 
going to be a 40 man lock. I don't think there's any way they don't add him at this the point first because he'd be taken five, in a second. Um, possibly. Yeah. I mean, I still, I'm still kind of teetering on that. Yeah. He was a dominant starter, but Cleveland was very careful with his pitch count and his innings count. I know he came off an injury. Um, and his last start of the year, his last scheduled start of the year got rained out. How about that? I was, I was like, well, this is great. We'll get to see Andre, or we'll get to see Cody Morris make pitch in the last game of the season for minor leagues. And it got rained out, of course, because that's just how the last few years have gone. Um, but his, his last actual start that he, that he pitched in, uh, the velocity was a little bit down again. He So he started out the year at like, what, 94 to 97, yeah. hitting 99 a couple times, you know, even consistently. At his last start, he was like, I think 93, I think I saw 91. So he was like 91, 94, and he hit 95. And I was like, okay, well, the velocity is down a little bit. You know, I'm kind of, you know, kind of curious about that. And they were super careful about his pitch count. So I kind of wonder if, if maybe he's, there's still a potential for him to end up in the bullpen. Because look, they can't, they can't start all these guys. Like, okay, even if you subtract one of these arms, whether it's Savali or Plasek, I don't know, or, I doubt they're going to trade Tristan McKenzie, but, um, you know, you subtract one arm, you still have Eli Morgan, you still have, um, you know, in AAA next year, you're going to have Connor Pilkington and Joey Cantillo and yeah. Peyton Battenfield. And Logan T. Allen. Um, and, and again, those guys, yeah, Logan T. Allen's going to be in AAA next year. And I, I Logan T. Allen, to me, I think he's going to force his way into the rotation next year somehow. I just think that, at this point, it's going to be hard to keep him in the minors. I don't know what that means they're going to do, but I think he's too good to keep in the minors. But I know a lot of these guys are proven, and that's a big risk. But you can't start all these guys. Like Someone's got to go to the bullpen, and I wasn't really impressed with, with uh, Mejia or Henches out of the bullpen, nor Logan Allen. I, I don't think all those guys survived the winter in this organization. Um. You know, some of these guys have to go to the bullpen, and and I don't know as much as I I am I've, I've been high on Cody Morris since 2017, 20 I shouldn't say twenty nineteen when I first saw him. I kind of wonder if it it ends up being a numbers game, and just because of the, his injury risk and all that, like he has starter stuff. It's just you know doesn't play out where maybe the best fit for him is the bullpen, and then that's a good thing for both him I and the organization. I could definitely see him as a high setup man. Um, potential closer, pair him with Class A, Karinchak, possibly even Carlos Vargas, who we've said could be relievers. Then there's some other interesting guys in the org- organization still. Aaron uh, Pinto, you know, he's not a, as hard of a, a thrower. And then Nick Mikolacek, um, make sure I get the name right, as, or as close as I can. <laughs> um, you did. Pair, pair them with those type of arms, you know, and that's a really exciting pen to be piecing together to all of these guys, obviously aren't going to pan out. They'll probably end up dealing a few guys. You didn't mention Adam Scott as an arm in triple a, and you know, who knows if they can protect all of these guys, even. Um, yeah. I, I, part of the reason I think just with the sheer volume of guys that they have, they're going to have to deal an arm or two. And I don't mean a, a guy like JC Mejia or Sam Henches, you know, those guys may be on a roster 
just out of sheer necessity because they're running out of options. Hopefully Mejia gets an option, an injury option, that fourth year injury option um, that has been bantied about a little bit. And, you know, guys like Miklo Chak and then uh, Battenfield don't even need to be added to the 40 man yet. So that's going to come into some of these decisions too. Some guys may end up kind of getting stalled in AAA that are ready. You know, it's a great problem to have with all of this pitching is really what I'm trying to get at. You're going to see Carlos Vargas coming back and Ethan Hankins coming back from injury too. And we've seen Lenny Torres Jr. Um, I was pretty excited about what he did this year. I was a little tentative with him at first. And as I said, really, we just want him to pitch this year and worry less about location and all of that, but get him through a season and get him these innings and get this year behind him. And that's exactly what he did. Um, That's what those two guys, Vargas and Hankins will be looking for next year. But Vargas is already on the 40 man roster. And, you know, I I suspect that they'll want to, um, they'll want to utilize that arm of his, especially that slider. And hopefully it comes back as beautiful as it was. And it it was very pretty. (laughs) It was a nice, I think one of the best in the organization. It is. It is. It might. It might be the best. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's really exciting. If you've seen Carlos Vargas, or if you've you've heard us talk about him, and you've seen any video, it is. It is really fun to think about what a bullpen of Emmanuel Classe and Anthony goes and Carlos Vargas, and if James Karinchak works his stuff out, like if you, if, if things kind of all came together for those guys. That is an incredibly unhittable bullpen. Like, man, that's just <laughs> to follow up a rotation as good as, as this one could be. Like there, there are a lot of, this is, this is going to be the good way to go about it is, is consolidating whether they, they trade some pitching for some offense or they move some of these guys to the bullpen. And, you know, you mentioned, um, Mikulacek and, and Pinto, who I really like, um, as kind of a, a Dan Otero type, um, or geez, even Nick Enright. I don't, I don't even know. Nick Enright's a little different to me. Like he only throws 92, but if you go look at his strikeout numbers, man, they don't, people don't see the fastball out of his hand because of that high arm slot. And because he has that big slow curveball. like he's, he's James Karinczak with better command and less velocity, but with the same, not with, with really good strikeout numbers. So, and, and I love Peyton Battenfield. I think, I really think that I don't maybe maybe they just have a, too much pitching where he doesn't make it in the rotation. They put him in the bullpen, but I like I really like what Peyton Battenfield did this year. Pitching is not the thing anyone should be concerned about. They're the only thing to be concerned about with pitching is how they find roster spots for all these keep arms. Healthy. And, you know how they keep right. Yeah, I was going to say getting getting guys like Vargas and Hankins back from Tommy John, and both of them uh, Harris said are both on track to. They should be ready for spring training. They're not going to rush it. They're not going to guarantee anything. But uh, the way they've progressed through their Tommy John recoveries, that they're they're both on track to be ready to, to go in spring training. So that's a good thing for them. Um, yeah, it's just a matter of, of capitalizing on the arms that are, are ready to go, whether that's trading them or getting them into the right spots and you know keeping enough depth and rostering the right guys. There's a lot of decisions. I mean, you know, we're talking about the bullpen for next year and Kyle Nelson, Cam Hill, those guys were on the 40 man roster all year. Uh, Cam Hill never made an appearance. Kyle Nelson made a couple probably gone. 
Yeah, uh, Alex Young, I think, mercifully will be gone. No, nothing against Alex Young. I'm sure sure he's a great dude. I know he's a local dude, but, man, that was tough to watch him pitch. Uh, Scott Moss barely existed this year, so he's probably gone. So he got some spots there. Um, and, and those are guys you're like, oh, those guys were their depth pitchers this year. And, well, guess what? They have better options next year going forward to, to use on that spot. So that's cool. Um, how about this? You said – you said Brian Rocchio, you were really impressed with him and, and Brian Lavastida. How about Stephen Kwan? You know, I don't think anybody saw what he did this year coming. That's exciting. Uh, and I'm, I am I know this is going to sound hypocritical because of what I've said in the past, but I'm kind of wondering, would they maybe take a chance on adding Oscar Gonzalez to the 40? Because, Look, they, it's not like any of these guys are ready next year. The outfit, like George Valera is not going to be able to be in Cleveland next year. If, and if he was, that'd be great. It'd be like the end of the year, though, right? And other than that, who are the out? Maybe they trade, maybe they trade Oscar Gonzalez. Maybe they trade him. Maybe somebody else wants to take a chance on him and there's a trade him good likelihood there's DH good, in the but, NL next year, you know, and that could come into play. And if they're making a package deal, let's say they, target an outfielder on a, a national league team. Um, you throw in one of these young shortstops, a, an outfielder like Gonzalez, that can be a DH for them and then throw in a, a young pitcher. And maybe you have yourselves in an everyday right fielder or left fielder for this club next year. You know, um, I, I, there's means an opportunity for this club. Really what I was getting at earlier, a great opportunity for this club. And I'm excited to see what, what the season holds. So this is what I looked at. Oscar Gonzalez had 33, 31 home runs this year. That's really good. Uh, not a lot of guys this, in minor league baseball hit 30 home runs. It doesn't happen a ton. Um, obviously, the couple of Royals prospects did this year um, who were just really unbelievably good. But this is the last four guys. I don't know if you saw this tweet. The last four players in the minors for Cleveland to hit, hit 30 home runs. You have... Oscar Gonzalez this year is five, but Bobby Bradley in 2019 at 33. Um, we said Bradley hasn't hasn't quite really locked down the first base role, but I don't really see them unless they add somebody outside the organization. I think Bobby Bradley is your first baseman next year. Um, Richie Schaefer hit 30 yeah. in 2017. Remember that name, Richie I was Schaefer? Excited about him. <laughs> um. Yeah, I thought he was one of those swing change guys who was going to come up and be like at a, least a role player, um, a masher, you know, like right. And then you had Jesus Aguilar in twenty sixteen. He had thirty home runs, and he's had a decent major league career. I would say, you know, he made an all star or a home run derby and an all star team, um, or maybe it was just a home run derby. And he's he's been up and down his career, but he's he's been better than he was in Cleveland, obviously. And then before that. The last time that the a Cleveland prospect hit 30 home runs in a year was Matt Whitney in 2007 at 32, and obviously he never made it to the majors because of some injuries. But uh, Oscar Gonzalez had a great season. I'm really curious to see what they do with him. But if you're looking at the power output, I would I would just point you to that tweet and say, yeah, 30 home runs are great, and maybe maybe they should take a chance on him because look, they don't have a lot of outfield talent ready to go next year. Maybe you roster him, you can bring him up, and you see what happens. And if he plays great, look what you lucked into. And if he plays terrible, you can move on and not feel bad about it. So maybe maybe they go that route, maybe they don't. But I just remind people that 
Um, that power output in the minors is not a guarantee for success because it's fifty fifty. Listen, that list I just told you it's not it's not not a great and, history. And yeah, one of the four, I guess you could say, has had substantial so, success, he, if you can call uh, Jesus Aguilar's career a substantial success. He's been an All Star, but you know he's had a few down seasons now too. He has, and he had a good season this year. So, I mean, and that, that's what could happen to Oscar Gonzalez. You know, that could, he could have, he could go somewhere else and, and have a a good season and then kind of fall off and kind of be a nomad and move around. So we'll see. Bobby Bradley has not really stuck his foot down in first base permanently. So we'll see. And the other two guys obviously uh, never really made it in the majors. So anything could happen. I'm, I'm really curious. I, he's one of those guys I'm on the fence about, like, him and Quan, I think, are really tough guys to think about when it comes to the offseason. Then you got the three left handers between Cantillo and um, Pilkington and Adam Scott. I really like Adam Scott. And remember, so something that this is not our official 40 man show. Um, so, what I'm talking about is there's been some interest from some listeners and some loyal readers like the Mad Thinker who would like to do kind of a live podcast, not in person, but uh, virtually that they would like to do like a official kind of 40 man podcast to kind of break down all the scenarios and kind of who we th- what we think is going to happen. But you're going to have to add, re-add what Josh Naylor to the 40, <coughs> excuse me, Nick Sandlin to the 40. Um, I guess that's it. Those are the only two guys on, on the 60, right? Everybody else is back. I th- um, so those those are two guys, but you can subtract Brian Shaw. You can subtract Nick Whitgren. You can subtract they're, Blake Parker. They're probably going to um, opt out of you uh, can Roberto subtract Perez. Roberto. Per- yeah, so that's four spots right there. Um, I would imagine you can probably cross off Scott Moss, Alex Young, Kyle Nelson, Cam Hill. So those are those are seven spots right there. Um, maybe maybe one or two of Logan Allen, Mejia, and and Sam Henches. I don't know what they'll do with that, honestly. But those are some ways you can clear space. you got to add two back. So they've got what, like, I don't know, five or six spots to play with when it comes to the roster, unless you move on from, um, you know, they could, they could non-tender Mercado. Zimmer because he's arbitration eligible. Although I think out of, yeah, Mercado. I think out of Mercado, Zimmer, and... Harold Ramirez, I like Zimmer the most as far as backups concerned, but I don't know will they do that right away. Like how many how many spots are they realistically going to create when it comes time for them at the end of November to set these to set this likely the, the thing. and based on what they've done in the past to hold on to one or two of these guys and then eventually designate them for assignment once they do get an upgrade at that particular position. But th- that's typically what teams do is they'll hold on to somebody that. You kind of scratch your head and say, why did we keep Harold Ramirez over Oscar Gonzalez and we exposed Oscar Gonzalez to the Rule 5 draft? Well, they did that because they knew they could designate him for assignment later, but he was good enough to hold a spot for now, you know, and it's a tough situation. Sometimes you end up getting rid of guys that you want to keep around yeah. and you lose a, a really talented guy, um, kind of like Cleveland did with L- Luis Oviedo this, you know, past off season, they took the chance that he wouldn't go that he wouldn't be selected in the rule five yeah. draft and, uh, and he was exposed a second time and then was selected this year, you know? Um, 
you just have to gamble sometimes. Uh, I don't like it when Cleveland loses talent. I sure like it when they get it, though. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think they might do a lot of both this year. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting offseason. Um, Let's go for it. I want to answer some questions real quick. We got a few. All right. Let's see. Got a lot of regulars here. Let's start with Quincy Wheeler. Uh, season's over. Now, if you are the Guardians, uh, which we are not the Guardians, but the Indians are now the Guardians, which if you need of any, do you keep Zimmer, Ramirez, Mercado, Johnson, Four horsemen of the outfield apocalypse. That's a great way to put it. I want to know. Well, we just got to address horse. this. Uh, I'm a little outdated on my four horsemen or my uh, analogies there. So you have all. to carry me on that one, but um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I would say I would hang on to Zimmer and Johnson. I know they're both left-handed. Johnson's got an option, and I, I think the way they handled Daniel Johnson this year probably says a lot about what they think of his future, which is not great. I mean, I wish they, they gave him a better chance. They didn't. Maybe he'll get it next year when he's out of options. I don't know. Or he's got one option year left. Um, I would say hang on to Zimmer because I think he has the most talent and um, he has a clear role as a bench outfielder who can run, has power, can you can feel good about putting him in the lineup against right-handers on a short-term basis. Like if if you had a better option and he got hurt and you had to put a backup in, Zimmer's, Zimmer's okay for that. Um, I don't know if I feel that way about Ramirez or Mercado and then I would keep Johnson just for depth because he's got – Yeah, I don't think Mercado will be here next year. Ramirez maybe. I think he'd keep Johnson because of the option and I think they'll definitely keep Zimmer. Um Oh, he's arbitration eligible, I though. So I, I think, I, well, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe that doesn't end up being a factor, but it could probably be. Probably talking $1, $2 million for him. So <clears throat> I, I don't think that'll be a huge factor with him. Yeah. Uh, depending on if they pull off a deal before that time, too, though. You know, they may they may find an upgrade or two uh, before then and decide to move on from a few of these guys as it goes. And, you know, the the crowd thins, so to speak. And maybe out of all of those guys, they just end up with Johnson because they can send him down to AAA with that option for depth. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, David Rawlings wanted an update on Brady Aiken. Is he going to play again, if ever? The last we heard about Brady Aiken is he had thoracic outlet surgery. Um, I don't know. That's, that's as far as we got. Nobody's really said anything since. Uh, I don't I think he's currently throwing, so... I tried to will them into drafting yeah, maybe he gets Walker off Fueller that, there and it, that <laughs> year, and it just didn't work out. So, you know, I don't want to hear about Brady Aiken anymore. <laughs> oh. Your uh, your force was not strong enough, Willie. You got to be one with the force to make these things happen, as they say. Uh, yeah, I, so that's, that's all the updates we have on Brady Aiken. Is I don't I don't think he's been throwing as far Jurassic as we know. Outlet is usually uh, twelve to eighteen months, and, and typically you don't see a return of velocity. It's potentially a two year injury. So um, already down. Let's just say things are not looking very well for his career right now. Maybe he ends up becoming a reliever in the future if he wants to be a thirty year old rookie. But that I mean, hey, whatever. I, I wish him the best. I hope it works out for him. I wish it had whenever Cleveland drafted him. It just hasn't at this point. 
Yep, they took a gamble, and I don't think it worked. Uh, Mark Luffel, if Jose inks an extension, where does Arias send up long-term, defensively in Cleveland? I think he'd make a hell of a right fielder. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I guess if what? If, if he's the closest to the majors, I mean, if they're going to bring up another shortstop that's not Ahmed Rosario or Andres Jimenez, it's, it's him. Uh, if Rokio pushes him off, sure, right field's an option. I don't know. You could put Arias anywhere besides first base because that'd be a waste of his talent, but he could play anywhere and be a defensive factor. Um, yeah, it'd be a fun candidate to move to the outfield because he's got a great arm, but yeah, it's yeah, a guy who can play anywhere defensively. I kind of wonder if they trade him long term. He definitely has the arm for right field. Future closer. <laughs> yeah, future closer. He's not going to hit, so he's going to move move to the infield now. Uh, Twenty one. What he did yeah, this year, AAA. Excellent year. That's pretty impressive. I, um, can't say enough about the adjustments that he's made and the, the work that he's put in. And I hope Cleveland is on top of that, utilizing that VR technology that really helped him recognize breaking pitches and stuff. And you know, his strikeout to walk rate still a little bit higher than you would want, but. He's also a 21-year-old, three years younger than league average in AAA against some high-level talent around him, you know. So he's going to get taken advantage of a little bit. So I, no worries on that end. I mean, if he was 24, 25, I'd be like, okay, he needs to make some adjustments and he needs to do it now. But right now he's got plenty of time. A very exciting guy. I think, you know, if Jose reaches the extension, he is potentially the shortstop. I'm honestly looking for that to end up being Brian Rocchio. I just feel like he's the better overall player of the two. Um, of course, I was really high on Andreas Jimenez as a potential everyday shortstop, and he doesn't seem to have really gotten that opportunity over Ahmed Rosario. So next season, we may see that with Jimenez at short. I, I would just speculate that's where he starts next season as the everyday shortstop, unless they make a big upgrade. Trevor Story. Yeah, absolutely. Trevor's story is definitely happening. Um, funny you mentioned the VR thing. So I asked James Harris about that last week, and he said that they did not use VR with uh, Gabriel Arias, that they um, decided to use more traditional pitch recognition methods with him. And, and, you know, he did fine without that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much of the VR helped him. I mean, he made, he made drastic improvements, but the, the clearly decided that, they wanted to use alternate routes for development for him, and they did, and, and clearly it worked. So, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's a thing they're doing. I, I'm not sure. There's a lot of teams that are doing that, but um, yeah. So that that they did not continue with that with him. But interesting point to bring up. Um, we got a bunch from our buddy Nunzio. So let's hit these out real quick. Uh, is it too early to start talking projected rotations? From Guardians down to Lynchburg, because I have lists to compare. So probably not going to have time to do that at this point, but we'll do that in a future podcast. And uh, I promise to get those depth charts on the website updated. I know those kind of fell off the table this year. They're hard to update every day. So hard. I, but I've got some some different layouts in mind to make them a little bit better and, and make them easier to update as the season goes on and um, getting some help with those. Uh Nunzio is curious about where and how guys like Ray Burgos and Eli Lingo show up next year. Well, uh, 
Ray Burgos didn't pitch again this year. He's on the he's on the Instructs roster, um, but he left Lake County with some elbow soreness and never came back. And he's getting up there in terms of prospect age, and he's been injured a lot. So I don't know. I, I don't really know what to say about him. Eli Lingos, uh, same thing. Yeah, I don't know if there's going to yeah, be room was... for him any any of those rotations. And remember, he took yeah, a foul yeah, ball. He, a he took a line drop face this year. Kind of a Tanner Tolley, Zach Draper type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to throw those names out there and those kind of quantify them as that, but I mean, that's kind of the way that they've been utilized within the organization. Or guys that can go up and down the ladder and um, pitch some innings for the teams and just good teammates, good pitchers, just not good enough to get that last hurdle. You know, I, I think Lingos is one of those guys, even though he's. Unique. I think he's also 25 now, too, and I think Burgos is 23. So Burgos has a, a few years, maybe, if if I remember correctly. But um, hopefully Burgos can get healthy and he would be a heck of a reliever with that slider. Yeah, he could be. He's just got to get healthy. He's still got plenty of arm talent. Uh, he wanted to know about Hankins and Vargas. I would say Hankins, Vargas, probably both go to Lake County and then um, hopefully they get to Akron at some point, but that's going to be interesting to see what happens with them next year. Do you guys agree? This is also from Nunzio that the team brain trust seems to be signaling they're planning on Jimenez at second base to open the year. So as a way to clear Ferrari to assume shortstop, certainly he'll not to have Rosario there again. Yeah. I don't know. I, that's one of the things they got against this off season. I don't really know what they're thinking. I think that, Andres Jimenez probably has a starting job next year to, well, it's his, he's got a role on the major league team to lose. It's his to lose. They're probably just going to let him either play in or play out of it. But um, as far as shortstop or second base, I'm not really sure. Yeah, exactly. I think that is more about Rosario than it is Andres Jimenez. Um, When you look at it, Rosario is not really a second baseman yet. Maybe he can convert over to second base or, move to left field as some people have thrown out there. Um, but I think that was more about Ahmed Rosario than it was uh, Jimenez in, in his future with the organization. I just think the that Rosario's need to play every day, their need for offense meant that Jimenez slid over to second base because Rosario just wasn't capable of doing it at this point. Um, I think it's more about that than anything, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's one of those interesting questions that's going to be uh, to answer in the offseason. All right, two more from Nunzio. As Fox surpassed Tucker as a prospect after a lost year for Carson Tucker, what happened to him? Well, keep him out long where these guys in 2022. I don't know. Carson Tucker, we heard, had a hand injury and didn't play beyond, like, what, three games? So, yeah, I, I both of them, I think, are going to start next year in extended spring training. They're not going to be in an affiliate next year, I don't think. I mean – Maybe, maybe Tucker will get to Lynchburg to start the year. I guess they probably don't have another shortstop to play in Lynchburg if if uh, Milan Tolentino moves up to um, Lake County next year. So maybe maybe Tucker to Lynchburg to start, but uh, probably Fox to stay yeah, in extended. That would to follow start. kind of what they did with Tolentino and Helpin this year. Well, Helpin did get. <laughs> I can't believe it. The day that in, uh, 
Arizona Summer League or the D, the Arizona Complex League was slated to start. They moved Halpin up to the um, they moved Halpin up to Lynchburg. That was kind of funny. Last one. What do you all think about the idea of Stephen Kwan batting the two hole behind Straw? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would put a rookie in the two hole, but Kwan has a, an interesting skill set, and I think. He's one of those guys that could potentially fight for an outfield spot next year, depending on what they do in the offseason as far as personnel decisions. And um, I'd like to see him get a chance. I'd like to see him add to the 40-man roster. But yeah, I'd like to see it's a numbers game, in, so who knows? In the two-hole next year. Uh, and nothing against Quan. I just want to see somebody who's going to take a lot of pitches and potentially move straw over uh, and be a threat at the plate. Hopefully it's Jose batting second, which means they've done some significant upgrades to the lineup. Um, but I'm guessing that doesn't happen. Not that I'm not expecting some upgrades, but I just don't think it'll be Stephen Kwan. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be, like I said, there's a lot to talk about this offseason. Even if, even if not a lot happens, uh, a lot's going to be talked about, so there's going to be a lot of news to keep up to date on. Really, not we bad. have gone, no surprise, an hour and ten minutes now. Um, any any parting thoughts this week? Oh, oh, predictions. What do you got? Uh, what, do you, what are your, what's your playoffs the like? The Braves. I'm not going to deviate from what I predicted. I think the Braves may be a little bit of a surprise team um, in the National League. So. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, matchup from the Braves and the Brewers. I, I thought for sure the Brewers had a great chance um, had Devin Williams not punched a wall celebrating and broke his hand, which we that's exactly for him. unbelievable. Man, how do you do that to your team? I mean, oof, yeah, at least it's only taking his jersey off. He only snapped his thumb. I don't know. That's crazy. I don't know. I'm, I'm sticking with Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay has the most – depth to get to the postseason. I think that's going to help them out the, long, the most. I think they, I don't know, the White Sox could be tough. The White Sox are going to be interesting. If, if, if Giolito and Lance Lynn are, are really good, they've got a chance. I'm going to say Tampa Bay. And I don't know, in the NL, I don't know. I might take the Giants. Some of the Giants is weird. Like they shouldn't be this good. The roster's not great, but it's the Giants. And, it's the postseason. Anything can happen. Weird things happen in October. So I'm going to say Giants and Rays, and I'm going to say the Something Rays finally get their first World Series. I'd like to title. see something different. I like it. Don't. Yeah, I, I was really hoping. I was really hoping we would get um, like a Brewers and Toronto World Series because that'd be fun. Like that's just two small, two not really big market teams that would just make people mad and. Um, two teams that just don't see match up a lot, and that'd be a lot of fun. But alas, baseball chaos deserted us on the final day of the season. Um, so if you're listening this far and you're not already following us, uh, it's J underscore baseball on Twitter, or Willie is at Will Who ninety nine. That's H O O ninety nine. Um, official underscore IBI on Twitter for a little bit while longer before we make that change. And uh, postseason awards coming out soon. Stay tuned for that. Uh, all kinds of os- updates to the roster page on the website. Willie's already got the 2022 draft, his first mock draft done, I'm sure, in his head. 
uh, at least he's thinking about it. So I'm sure we'll have, have that to talk about and to, to put up at some point, but uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Willie, thanks for joining me and um, get ready to talk a lot. Cause there's, we're not going away anytime soon. We're going to have a lot to, Good to talking to you this again, Justin. I'm and I threw out it. ten names to watch. Uh, kind of retweeted a response to somebody on Twitter from yesterday. But there's ten names to watch that I, I think that makes sense right now for next year. And obviously, it's way early. And Jeff Ellis uh, agreed with a couple of them. So good to see that uh, the two of us uh, draft-minded Cleveland fans um, are lining up on some guys that we think are going to be potential targets for the club next year. So check that out on Twitter. Um, check out Jeff's piece that he had up too. I definitely encourage you to to follow him and all the great content he puts out. Yeah, Jeff's a good one. Listen to the podcast for him every day. Uh, follow Jeff and, and follow Willie, follow us. And uh, a special th- shout out to, to all the staff this year, um, to you, Willie, to Arthur, to Joe, to Tyler, to Caleb, to Pat, to Matt, to Stacy, to Jacob, um, everybody who's been involved this year. It's been a great year. Thank you guys for everything. Thank you to the listeners and uh, stick with us through the off season. Cause it's going to be a lot of fun. Wow.